You're listening to the Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of silence. Well, welcome to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Kahn, and going to be joined today by a special guest, Michael Foster from It's Good to Be a Man. Fantastic book, by the way, if you haven't read that yet, definitely would encourage you to check that out. As many of you have no doubt noticed on social media, there's kind of been a back and forth between some older men, older pastors, and perhaps a younger generation. Um, Michael, myself, uh, some guys really almost in our 40s, not exactly all that young, Uh, But there's been some interesting interchanges about exercise, the importance or lack of importance to some people of physical training. Um, So we're going to talk about that in today's episode. Also going to be unpacking a couple themes from scripture about generations. A lot of people said to me on social media, you should not be casting a generation in a bad light or generalizing about generations. Of course, scripture does this all the time. Uh, Jesus says, to what shall I call this, compare this generation and then in Lamentations, our fathers have sinned and we have borne their iniquities, chapter 3. So you hear this language all the time in Scripture. We'll talk about this and more in the episode. By the way, shout out to all our Patreon supporters. We definitely appreciate you. If you're not yet a Patreon supporter, sign up today. Follow the link in the show notes and you can become a Patreon supporter of the Hard Men Podcast for as little as $5 a month. That definitely helps us out, helps us continue to produce excellent Christian content and hopefully be a part of rebuilding the new Christendom with manly, godly men. Amen to that. Well, sit back, buckle up, and we are going to talk now with Michael Foster. One of the key things I've tried to emphasize on the Hard Men podcast is the need for men to cultivate physical strength. Men's grip strength and chest sizes have shrunk over the years, while man boobs and love handles, sadly, men, they're on the rise. If you want to do something about that and become a totally jacked Giga Chad, check out BarbellLogic.com. Not only do they have loads of free content on YouTube and on their website to help you perfect your barbell training regimen, they also offer personalized online coaching. You may remember the episode that I did with Matt Reynolds from Barbell Logic. Matt is the CEO and founder. He's also doing my training now. I signed up for training with Matt. It has been absolutely phenomenal. Matt is a guru of the barbell, and it has greatly upped my game. Here's how it works. Matt updates personalized workouts each day of the week that I'm working out. He sends those to me. It's in an app. I log my workouts, and then I film them. Matt tailors everything I'm doing, by the way, to carnivore. I upload those videos of the last set to the Barbell Logic app. The next morning, Matt gives me personalized coaching and corrects my form so that I can increase the load. And that's a goal, isn't it, man? To increase the load, to become stronger, to have greater health and lifespan. Barbell Logic, as I said, also has an excellent YouTube channel. Be sure to check that out. You can check the show notes for that. Check out their podcast to learn a ton of things from Matt and his other trainers. And if you are interested in online coaching through Barbell Logic, your first month is always 100% free. No contract, no catch. So be sure to go to barbelllogic.com slash hardmen to get matched with the perfect coach for you. Again, that's barbelllogic.com slash hardmen. 
Well, welcome to the Hard Man Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Eric Kahn, joined by the one and only Michael Foster. We had him on before. Michael, we've done a lot of work together. Thanks for joining me on this episode. Yeah, it's good to be back, man. Thank you. It's good to be a man, and it's good to have Michael back on the Hard Man Podcast. Michael, today we're going to be talking about a subject that I think on social media has been taking off. It's taken off before, but there are these flashpoint issues, right? You talk about modesty, uh, you talk about... Uh, female sins, and, and now this subject you talk about, and you're going to see the teeth come out and some of the claws too. Of course, that issue we'll be talking about today is the boomer issue. And really it is, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's really an issue of uh, generational strife. Is that how you would characterize it? Yes, yeah, the way I've been thinking about it is that wherever I go, there's noticeable angst or anger even between uh, the younger generation, millennial, uh, Zoomers, Gen Z, whatever you call them. And and then more often than not, people that we'd call boomers, folks mm. that were really born up to about 1964. They're a lot of our really, a lot of the younger people, it's their, their grandparents, but it's also like guys like us, it's our, they're our parents, you know? Yeah. So big question. I, I guess I saw this in the beginning with some fitness posts, um, you had some boomer pastors posting about fitness, um, sort of got things teed off. I think one of the early ones, well, at least uh, there was a couple, but one said memo to the current trendy masculinity tribe, Paul gloried in the cross, not CrossFit. Um, there was another one, barbells, bench pressing and Bushido are not the fruit of the spirit. I don't remember any of us making any of those arguments, uh, so on and so forth. That was kind of the tip of the iceberg, though. I think that was one of the issues, right? Young men pursuing physical strength, looking at the culture, saying, look, testosterone is dropping, grip strength. You know, men are in a real predicament. And so young men are saying, hey, we need to do something about this. I think some real problems. Do you think it's just that the older generation doesn't understand? Um, they didn't face those same things. Obviously, the culture environment has changed. W what do you make of the physical fitness stuff? Yeah, that one was a little little surprising because guys like me who uh, apparently they were responding to, you know, that's what was said in one comment yeah. thread, I guess. But uh, I wasn't, uh, one, I hate CrossFit. I think doing <laughs> the heaviest weights you can as fast as you can, as many times as you can is a recipe for injury, but to right. each his own. Um, but I actually didn't even talk about weightlifting that much or anything like that. I was just saying, look, we have a, uh, a spiritual obligation to pursue health because God's given us um, these bodies uh, to use for his glory. Um, that's all I was saying. And then suddenly uh, folks kind of went a little nuts over it and they overreacted. And it's, it was kind of hard to not read that through a lens of feeling attacked. Like they felt attacked, like I was mm. attacking them. And if for me, it was more like, no, like uh, I had gotten fat and I wanted to get less fat for the good of my family, uh, for my own ability to get work done or whatever. And so I saw all that and in, in it, I, I, I engaged in what I usually try to avoid, but I engaged in some conversations on Facebook where really conversations go to die. And in one of the conversations with one of these older pastors, um, now he doesn't know me, but, um, just really, it was a very condescending sort of back and forth, even though that I was trying to demonstrate deference to the office, deference to someone who is older than me. You know, um, I didn't know this guy and I was just uh, pushing back and it was very, very strong language came back from him. And I thought, 
You know, man, I'm uh, I'm 42. I've had eight kids. Um, been a pastor the majority of my adult life at this point. Planted a couple churches. You know, I don't need I don't need anyone to call me sir, right? But uh, <laughs> but um, come on, I'm not I'm not some little kid here. You know, like uh, have some respect back. And I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. I was like, what in the world is wrong with these people? Why are they so dismissive? Why are they so um, uh, condescending. And it really, uh, the thing is though, with guys like me, so I'm 42. So I'm the, um, the youngest of Gen X. Um, I actually have a lot of status in my life, uh, by God's mercy. I have a, a good, large, a larger church. Uh, I've got a pretty successful career as, um, in, in the secular realm or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and so I don't, that doesn't, to me, it's more baffling. It's not enraging. Like, I don't really need them. I can just ignore them and nothing changes. I, I have a bigger platform and I have yeah. a beautiful wife to go home to and a good church or whatever. But if you're like 20 something, you don't have any of that status. You don't have those things yet. You're trying to get through there. And then you got these people just talking down to you constantly instead of lifting you up, counseling you, advising you, using some of that wisdom. Um, they really kind of have this sort of, even with people who have station in life, a large or, or status or whatever, they, 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 you know, I was telling you this on the phone. I don't remember when, but it was like, all right, n- know your, know your role, sport, bud, <laughs> yeah. champ, bucko. You know, it's this sort of like very um, demeaning attitude. And it's, it's that sort of generational strife. You see, you know, the, the generation that gave, um, children participation trophies mock them for receiving them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the interesting things, Michael, is, is we've had these interactions. I, I've seen a lot of like, you know, it's a typical, I would say, boomer critique where they're like, kids are soft today. You're a bunch of snowflakes. You have a vent, victim mentality. And I kind of look at it and I, number one, well, they're your kids. Would right. be, or grandkids, your or kids, grandkids, your grandkids, one kids. of them, yeah. yeah. But largely what we're living with today, and I've actually seen a lot of boomer pastors on these posts arguing the opposite. They said, listen, I'm a boomer and ours was one of the worst generations um, in the last century. Largely what we're living with today is a product of what we did in the 60s and 70s, including inflationary spending. Uh, But that is a question I want to ask you is you look at these divisions, these generational divisions. Generational divisions are not a new thing in the history of humanity. Um, In fact, I think that's one reason one of the gospel promises is that it will bring fathers and, and sons and their hearts back to each other. Uh, Doug talks about this, Doug Wilson, in Father Hunger. So clearly this is not new. But I want to ask you, what do you think is unique about the boomer, Gen X, and then everything after? What's going on with that generational divide? Where does it come from? What's causing it? Well, the changes that have occurred uh, in the last couple of decades are on par with like the Industrial Revolution, right? Huge, like, yeah, yeah. So we we live kind of on this uh, fulcrum of history where things are turning in a new uh, direction, and basically you've had. I, I like to use the picture of a tsunami. I always think about the Boxing Day tsunami, right? So a tsunami is these waves of water come in and they they slam against the mainland, and then that that destroys things. But then the waters come back out, and as they go back out to the sea they erode and strip things away. Mm. Well, I, I really saw this when I was working mostly on the masculinity stuff is that some of the things that uh, 
boomers were taught uh, that were just kind of cultural knowledge at the time, folk wisdom, as I think Aaron Renz called it, um, those things got washed out to sea by uh, the different waves of feminism, by uh, no-fault divorce, uh, contraceptive, just this radical um, restructuring of society, children growing up on um, methadone date, Adderall, mm. um, uh, just really divorce becoming normative uh, or very common uh, in your, your classrooms, instability, all that. That led to the loss of a ton of things. Um, how to talk to a girl, how to look someone in the face, how to, how to modulate your tone, how to, you know, uh, read body language, um, uh, the, the right way to, uh, to do so many things uh, disappeared. And the boomers will say, well, that's just common sense. Well, it, it actually wasn't. It, you were part of a culture that had made that common sense. That's good. Right. It's good to have those things. Th- those things are gone, though. Yeah. Not all of them, but they're they're uh, the, a lot of them are gone and have radically shifted. Um, not only that, has there been these sort of sociological um, revolution that's happened the last several uh, decades, but also a technological revolution like massive. Um, and so uh, some of these kids grew up, you know, see, uh, 2007, that's when you have the first iPhone really iPhones really starting to become common smartphones. You know, the kids that about 12 years ago when they're with their mom and dad, mom and dad was staring at the iPhone, right? When they're like, when they're like 10, those kids are like 22 now. So they grew up with parents that weren't attentive sometimes. Like we're seeing that they grew up exposed to pornography. Uh, They grew up where, like I saw someone share on Twitter, this girl was showing her, her body count from, um, from Tinder. And she had slept with, um, 37 guys in six months. Jeez. Right? right. Crazy. And, and then just the number of only fans, there's, there's a lot of girls, you know, even if it's 500,000, right? Like if it's 500,000 girls using only fans, I mean, that, they, that's 500,000 girls next door in some cases, um, making themselves into a pornographer and using, and, their, and how it. many people consuming that? Yeah, that's in a large amounts, right? And so, and then, you know, I always tell people I did all sorts of embarrassing things when I was a kid, but there's no record of it. It's all gone. And nowadays, <laughs> yeah. like you make a mistake, like, you know, um, you, you're, I, I saw this guy, um, I, I, this blows my mind, but I saw this guy take out Jurgens. He's on a big call and he's going to masturbate and they're trying to tell him to not do it, but he must have the call on silent, Right. And so he just does it. Was this on like this, the Jeffrey Tubin thing? Or? It's like that, but this was a recent one. Oh, and man. and a very young guy, and they didn't have his face blurred out or anything. You know, now I it it, it boggles the mind why anyone would ever do something like that when you have a call going on that involves the potentiality of videos. Oh, but gosh. my point is, like this guy, you look like a handsome young guy. Uh, his and that that tweet had been retweeted like 4,000 times already. And I was like, what's this all about? Cause there wasn't, I wish they had a more descriptive, uh, you know, OP tweets. So I knew not to say, I was like, no, don't do it, man. Don't do it. Um, but, um, but these things, wow. these things are becoming common. And, and also your life can get destroyed in a moment by what you do online. Mm. Right. 
and everyone's become performers, you know, everyone, it's a very voyeuristic society. So th there's all these crazy changes that have happened. The cost, you know, when you basically say you can get, you know, 40,000 in um, student loans uh, without any creditworthiness, that drove up the cost of colleges. You know, so my, um, I went to college in 1999 at Northern Kentucky University. My semester um, was $1,500 a semester to go full time. Right. And that was a major college. That's now, I don't know what it is. I think it's probably six, seven, eight thousand. I'd have to go look. Um, that's just in my lifetime. Uh, when a lot of these older folks that are older than me, they were going to school. You could get a work your butt off during summer and pay off your, pay off your tuition and your books. But now at, you're going to pay at least a thousand dollars a semester for your books when you go yeah. to college. So these guys are coming out of college with all this um, student loan debt. And usually mom and dad's right there with them or whoever parent when they first sign that promissory note when they're often like 17 years old, eight, 17, 18 years old. And, um, and then also the, the guidance counselors told them to you know follow their heart or some nonsense like that. And they get this dumb degree and then people are making fun of them, making fun of them for taking out debt. Well, you should have been more frugal and, uh, and you shouldn't have got that, that dumb degree. Like, well, where were you? Where were you when this was going down? Like, you know, you, you, um, you have this wisdom, right? I'm supposed to respect you. I'm supposed to defer to you. Where were you when I needed your wisdom? And I think you have a whole culture starting to say that. Where were you when we needed your wisdom? And you see things on the back of cars like spending my kids' inheritance, Mm. Right. You see this sort of mindset of 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 just self-indulgence. And George Carlin back in 1996 did a really famous or 92 did a really famous stand up routine. And in it, he goes after boomers for like three minutes. And he talks about how they're the worst generation ever. He's really ahead of his time. It's pretty crazy. And he said um, he said the ethic of the boomers is give me it's mine. That's that's what George Carlin, who that's his generation, was saying back then. And now, yeah. look, who's to blame for that? Well, it, it, there's consequences to our sin. I think the greatest generation came back from a pretty stinking hard time fighting wars and stuff. And uh, they came out of the Great Depression and uh, depending on how old they were, two world wars. Um, and I think uh, they came back and they weren't all where they should have been emotionally. And, um, and then we had this huge boom in industry and, and money and, and power on the world stage. And that's really what a lot of the boomers knew for huge portions of their life. Yeah. There were recessions here and there, but really my, even my entire childhood was a really good time, you know, from 1980 to about 2000. So I'm like, I'm, I, I came to adulthood pre nine pre nine 11. And, um, and it's, I was just telling someone, it's pretty funny to, to look back and say that the nineties were idyllic. Who, who thought that, right? Like yeah. not, not me. And no. uh, so this is where we're at. And, and there's a, and that the problem is, is that the things that are washed away, I honestly think a lot of these older men really don't realize that they're gone. Mm. Like they ge genuinely don't know. And, and the problem is with the young men, they're, they're, and this goes for women too, but the, the younger generation are, some of them are so mad at, um, at the older generation. Like there's no dialogue. So as soon as the boomer like condescends, they like lose their, 
They lose their stuff, right? They 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 go right into mocking and scornful attitudes, whatever. Yeah, it's really the black pill route, I think. Yeah, uh, when that happens, it's interesting, Michael, because uh, one of the questions I've been asking you and I have talked about this too is, okay, so I've noticed in my life, and this is anecdotal, you know, warranted. Um, there's a few older guys, and they're interestingly enough, they're you know, listening to, to BAP and they're, you know, listen to your stuff and my stuff. And they're saying, Hey, we're really appreciative of what you're doing. You guys are right. Let me give you some more perspective on what you're saying. But for the most part, we, we love it. Keep going. Our young men need this. So these are like 60 year old guys saying this to me. And there are a handful of those, but there are also a lot of guys in, in particular pastors and other leaders who are actually younger. So there's they're the age category just above us. They're not boomers, but they sort of have followed that boomer rhetoric. I compared it the other day on Facebook to Walt from Grand Torino, right? They're on the porch. They really failed their kids, a lot of them, and they're just angry at the world. And so it's get off my lawn and, you know, everybody's a problem. But, but, but I'm kind of wondering, and you and I have, again, had this conversation, but what is going on? Like, why do some people get that? While guys in the middle, I think maybe for you and me, maybe it's because we experienced the 90s, we experienced the world. Like, yeah, I went to public school. It really, even now I would say it wasn't that bad. Uh, We didn't have LGBT, transgender story hour, none of that. Um, Boys were still boys, girls were girls, that sort of thing. That's radically changed by the time you get to iGen. So again, I'm just curious your take. Why, Why do you think some people in that middle age category are having a hard time grasping what the young people are talking about? Well, I think some of them are trying to, to do a good job and mm, inherit yeah. and inherit. So it's uh, Aaron Wren and I were talking about this a couple of weeks back. He mentioned this book. I can't remember the name of it, but the premise is basically these children are trying to uh, suck up to their parents and to inherit their wealth. And once the uh, parents die, once the parents die, there is no wealth. Turns out it was all gone. They're taking on the boomer mindset to appease the older generation. Yeah. So I think there's going to be people that are working their butt off to get to the gospel coalition or whatever, be on Mm. there and be a writer or be like the big writer at Desiring God. And then they're going to find this especially true with the gospel coalition. The gospel coalition has no influence anymore. Right. It's very, very small. So they, they did, uh, they worked their butt off. They, they, they got paid low for the cause or whatever, not much money. And now when they inherit it, there's nothing left. Like all this, all the good stuff is gone. There's no juice left in the berry. And you just think as a father, you want, you want to leave your kid with things to take to the future. You can't take them with you. Right. And yeah. So that, I think there's a lot of folks there um, like that. I think, Maybe they also were loved and discipled by people that have that um, attitude and they just buy, buy into it. Um, you know, but really what we're talking about, it's, it's cultural, right? So the boomer generation and like we're going to Gen X has its own problems. We, we kind of were the whatever generation, which is kind of funny that we're now playing peacemaker um, between the generation below us and above us. But, um, every generation has its character. We see that in scripture, you know, judges two ten. a generation arose that did not know the Lord or Jesus says an adulterous generation seeks a a sign. Um, Deuteronomy, this whole generation, except uh, Deuteronomy 135 will not inherit, uh, we're not going to the promised land except for Caleb. 
And so gener generations can have a character. Scripture teaches that. And then we also know that those generations can have people that don't fit in. Like, again, Caleb would be a good, good example. You know, Caleb and Joshua were faithful. And obviously there were faithful believers um, during uh, the adulterous generation that Jesus was dealing with uh, in the Gospels. Um, so I think we're, what we're talking about is kind of a mindset and uh, it's like folks that think you're going to get a job and work one place for 30 years. You know, you don't, uh, you can't, you can't go up. That's part of the problem actually, is that older Gen X and uh, boomers aren't retiring and they're holding on to these top positions. And so people actually can't progress up in that company anymore and they have to uh, leave and go somewhere else. They have to, mm. that's the, you, you can't go up uh, in a lot of those higher positions. So there's been a, a massive secession problem. If you go look and track the age of pastors, that pastors are getting increasingly older. And um, so we're not, we're not really engaging our younger men to get them into the ministry. So that's part of it. They're not coming in for one, re one reason or another. Some of it's just that they're weak, they're weak, porn, all that stuff. They, you know, they're, uh, but the other thing is that it's like, you know, if you're in your mid twenties, maybe the way to engage those people isn't to put them in charge of chair ministry. Don't you have 10 year olds for that? Do you have <laughs> 10 year olds that can put yeah. the chairs out, you know? And, you know, I, I find that if you give guys uh, a big responsibility, you get more out of them. You give them little things. And of course you have to be faithful in the little things, but you were, you went to school, you, you did your chores, you're, you're a grown man now, you know? And yeah. so I think we, we've lost a lot of these guys and, and, um, and you just ask like, who, who are the um, influential pastors in their thirties, forties right now? Not a lot. Mm -mm. And, you know, it, it was really common to have, you know, you go back a couple centuries, uh, the average age of pastors were, were in their twenties and thirties. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and but influential that's not the case men, too. Yeah, absolutely. Like you guys look at guys like George Gillespie, um, who was um, a, a, a Westminster divine. He was like 28 or something. And the guy, the guy, when he, he prays to open the, uh, on sort of catechism where it tells uh, what is God, God is a spirit, etc. So he prays and his prayer was so good. They just use that as the answer. No. Yeah, it's totally true. And that's, so this guy, incredible. these, the, those Scottish commissioners that came down to help, in the Westminster Confession, these guys were uh, some of the young members, just next level, incredible. Yeah, and um, Robert Murray so, McChain was that way. Yes, yeah, exactly. All, all young guys. Yeah, I was uh, talking about this the other day because, again, th there can be sort of this like you young whippersnappers and you know listen here sport. And I was thinking, okay, I'm just read Ben Merkel's biography of Alfred the Great. Alfred is 22 years old, leading the people into battle against the Vikings. He's like the last refuge of Wessex in what would become England, 22 years old. And then I'm thinking to myself and I'm like, well, I'm almost 40. So I'm basically, in their day, I would have been considered like, you're an elderman, you're old. Because, you know, obviously a lot of people were also dying younger. But but it brings up an interesting question too. We, we talked about the pastorate, um, but if you also look at small businesses in America, there's like, you know, millions and millions, if not billions, I don't know what the exact number is. You have to look it up of small businesses. The vast majority of small businesses in America today are run by boomers. 
what we've seen is that there isn't succession plan. So even on the business front, those sons are generally, there's a lot of alienation. There's a lot of fathers who are saying, look, I'm not interested in passing this on to my kids. They can do their own thing, whatever. There's this legacy uh, mindset that is missing too. And so I think that that's something that has to be addressed in our culture. One of the things I would point out, the church for centuries taught on legacy. Um, you, you know, Doug has even pointed things like, look, like think of yourself as in a stream, right? And your children are, you know, the fruit coming off of you and you're all coming off of the same tree. And so, you know, thinking even the founders of America, they were thinking about things like posterity. Um, but I want to tie that to another question, which is about honoring parents. So a lot of these older gentlemen in the social media space say, well, you have to honor all, basically you have to honor all old people. So I want to ask you pastorally, scripturally, is that true? Are we owed a respect to all old people just because they're old or is it specific? So there's kind of layers to this. I should deference even to kind of a nasty feminist to some degree because mm-hmm. she's weaker. She's weaker. You know, she's a woman. Um, and, uh, and so I'm sure they love to hear that. Yeah, but it's it's my responsibility before God to do that, and yes, I may I'm not going to show them the same I'm not going to show them the same deference I would show a godly woman. Obviously, they're not the same. So um, there's with older men, I, uh, I you you're told to to um, to not rebuke them right harshly, but to exhort them. Mm-hmm. If you go read Calvin on that, what Calvin says is that the reason is because basically they'll get offended and they'll get argumentative is what actually what Calvin is he, says. Is he, is he calling them fragile? I guess so. I guess he is. <laughs> and so I think part of it is like, we should live in peace with everyone as much as we can. Mm, and yeah. just by treating people with a general respect and people that have been alive, they've seen things, right. They've, they've had friends die, you know, whatever. But, um, but just because you're old doesn't mean you're wise. You know, Ecclesiastes, Four thirty-three or something like that talks about there's nothing worse than an old foolish king, right? So young fools can often grow up to be or age into old fools. And so their foolishness is just putrefied. It's a vintage foolishness. Mm. And, um, and those guys, you know, you look at um, Joe Biden, right? He'd be a great example of an old fool, you know, of, a, of just a, a wicked, wicked man, and there's a lot of guys like that in our whole culture. But I do think we show def- there's something to gray hair that's a crown. But so we want to show some deference. But the funny thing is, it's like a woman that's weak acting like a man is unnatural and it's disgusting, right? It's brash. We're, like, we're right to be repulsed by it. A man that appears like he should have wisdom, but is a fool that also is unnatural, right? A guy, if you have gray hair, you, you should have something to offer the world. Yeah. But, um, and so, I, but I, when you look at things like the fifth commandment and the exposition of the fifth commandment in the larger catechism basically teaches that you have um, superiors, equals, and inferiors. So it's like um, fathers, brothers, children, right? Something like that. You can think of it that way. And they have this whole teaching that there's this sort of hierarchy. And within that hierarchy, you are supposed to honor uh, those that bear authority. So mom and dad would be one, the magistrate, elders in the church. There's a certain deference you're supposed to demonstrate to them in honor. 
But that actually swings the other way too, is that there's a, they're, they're supposed to treat people underneath them in a certain way. They shouldn't be um, uh, too exacting, too um, harsh in their corrections. And they, they have a responsibility to build those people up. And so let's say that some, let's just say that all old people, we have to honor all of them. Okay. Well, then you have to, you have those responsibilities to, towards all young people as well. If that's, you know, like it's going to swing that way, but it, it is kind of a little bit like saying um, all women have to submit to all men, right? It doesn't really make sense. So if we have some sort of like relationship, um, whether you're a magistrate, a pastor, uh, a parent, a relative, then I get that, that, that honor outside of that. I'd say there's just a basic deference we're supposed to have. And dude, you know, there's a lot of old fools, old fools on our social media. You go to Gab or Facebook, you got this boomer and that boomer telling me this Q, QAnon conspiracy and telling me I'm an, <laughs> I'm an idiot and I'm in the pocket of the Jews or this thing or that thing. And you're just like, and yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're an idiot. Well, you're a very foolish man, but I do think I don't want to, I, as I've seen these old guys, they just, the ones that are just really up in arms about it. I've just decided, you know what? Go do your thing. I'm not going to mess with you anymore. Yeah. Right. Because the only reason this is what they don't understand that a lot of us, uh, uh, here's the, I told you this a while back yeah. that um, when I'd lost some weight, one of the young men in our church was like, wow, Pastor Foster, you've lost a lot of weight. And I was thinking to myself, no, I haven't. It's like five, six pounds. You know, I'm a big guy. What's five, six pounds. That's so like yeah. exhaling. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, the reason he said that is he's really into bodybuilding right now, really into weightlifting. And he wants to respect me. He, he's looking for me to give him an excuse to respect me. So he sees that I'm like trying to take my health serious. I might not be like this hardcore, you know, in the gym several hours a day sort of thing, but that I actually am taking it serious. And he want, and it, to him, he's exaggerating because he wants to respect me. I think a lot of these younger men want to respect these older men. And, they, and if these older men would just have a little bit of uh, decorum, a little bit of humility themselves, I think they would win a lot of these guys over, actually. I think... A lot of us are desperate for fathers, are desperate for leaders. And, um, and I kind of feel like, I told you this too, that I feel like Obi-Wan and Kwai John's dead and suddenly I'm taking care of Padawans and I feel like I'm still learning. <laughs> like yeah. I'm still, but I'm in this position of authority where I'm discipling lots of men, some of which are older than me. And, uh, and that's just kind of how it felt because where, where are these guys? Where are they at? You got a few guys out there doing it. Um, like guys like Doug Wilson, John MacArthur seems like he's raised up a lot of people underneath him. Um, and then of course there's un unknown faithful godly men out there, but we see this huge dearth of mentors and fathers out there and, and young guys that are, that are trying to get their life together. And, um, if they say the wrong thing, someone stops on them and, and they get mad and they lash out. They shouldn't do that. That's effeminate. They shouldn't lash out like that. But you can understand. You can get why they're doing it. Yeah, exactly. It's something too, Michael, I think we we picked up on. I, I picked up on it from you years ago, just seeing how, um, you know, you, you could take the, the, the tact of like, hey, we're just going to smack these young guys and tell them how dumb they are and you need to work harder. And if you just worked like I did 50 years ago, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I totally get that. But 
one of the things that you pointed out was, hey, you can actually win these young men's hearts. And you can do it by encouraging them. As you said, young men are actually looking for leadership. I don't know if you think this is true, but I, I've kind of looked around evangelical reformed world. And I've said, you know, I think there's a shift happening here. And I think that in some sense, some of the older men are seeing other younger men be successful at winning the hearts of men. And maybe they don't like the direction. Uh, maybe uh, those pastors are overweight. So they, you know, well, let's stop talking about fitness. And, you know, that sort of thing could be a number of factors. But I, I wonder if you see that shift happening. Um, and, and, and I guess the second question is if you agree with this, I've looked at a lot of the pastors who are frustrated right now. So I'm like, why are you focusing on the body? Why are you blah, 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 blah. And uh, I look at that and I say, well, you should see this as an opportunity. Don't, you know, don't look at Foster or myself and say, how come they're, you know, gaining the hearts of these young men? Well, that could be you as well. Um, these young men want, like, there's, there's plenty of space to operate here. Plenty of young men. We cannot help them all. Um, so agree, disagree, thoughts on that? Yeah, this is not a competition. This is crazy. Yeah. Like the world's on fire. It's nutty to me, man. Like, and so I, I do think there's a sort of gatekeeping that you can see in certain worlds where like you, you did not pay your dues. Right. Mm. And how, how, how did you get this platform? Yeah. I, the mercy of God, you know, uh, like I, it wasn't, you know, I had some ideas um, how to do this, but it definitely went a direction that I didn't expect. Mm. And, um, and they should see that these young guys, there's guys like our friend Garrett Crawl. <laughs> Garrett, Garrett's edgy, but Garrett's out there. He's got these, uh, he's doing these little comments that are these comics where there's like these fat pastors or they're not, they're not even super fat. They're more just kind of like the skinny fat beer belly guys. And then he's got his big muscular clerical collar wearing guy. <laughs> and, and he's out there trying to get his, his church. Everyone does Brazilian jiu-jitsu out there, lift weights. They're very healthy, very serious people, and they're happy people, right? And there are good men out there doing that. They see, they see the opportunity. They, 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 they understand that this is a chance to make disciples of mm. these young guys. But I think there's a lot of gatekeepers. You know, some of the, some of the pushback on Stephen Wolf. uh, you know, that's a controversial book to begin with, but some of it Wait. does seem like he was like, attacked for being an arrogant young man. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I've seen a lot of that. I had a lot of people attack me on my book that I quoted fit. I quoted them favorably and I don't really think we teach anything different. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, we're not enemies. I don't know what your problem is. Like, yeah. I like you. I think we're on the same page, but, but I do think there's a kind of a new, new patriarchy, new magistrate, kind of the old reconstructionist theonomic world, all that stuff from like the eighties, nineties, and maybe really early two thousands, all that stuff's gone. You know, think about the 15 year old boy. He, he doesn't know who Russ Moore is. He wouldn't care anyway. He'd see Russ Moore. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care. And he would think that it, he looks like a, what a human puppet. Right. But, um, but th these younger people, the folks that we, we know, they don't know. And we, and they're pretty niche for us too, you know, like, let's be honest, even guys like Greg Bonson, who I deeply respect, Greg Bonson's pretty niche. It's yep, OPC, theonomic, you know, guy like very few people know him or actually know 
understand his point of view. And you'll, you'll see people arguing about Bonson and Clark still. And, um, but then you, these days you've got all these new folks like, like you, Brian, me, um, uh, there's this guy's kind of popping up out of nowhere. And those are who the young people are listening to. And they're listening to guys, a lot of non-Christians online. Um, and, uh, but this, they've, they've kind of lost the hearts of these young men. And that, that was my appeal to some of these older pastors. Like you're losing these people's hearts. You should, you know, not do that. <laughs> like, this is your time, man. Step in, like, you know, be, be Gandalf, right. Bring in the reinforcements, yeah. be the wisdom to be the sage that we need. Um, you know, be manly. Yeah. I think that's, it's one of the things you read in Proverbs that, you know, the old men have their gray hair and the young men, their strength. And ideally you would combine those things to be really effective, like generationally, right? As you're saying, you've, you've got your younger fighters, but they're paired with a Gandalf, somebody who's got that sage wisdom. Uh, one of the other questions, Michael, I want to kind of transition to, we've talked about the body and the importance that young men are saying like, yeah, you know, uh, BAP talks about this, but the, the sun and steel, right? We're going to have to harden the body and we live a sedentary life right now. So that's, that's going to mean like, you know, as I've said, voluntary hardship. Um, I, I tended to recommend like barbell training. I think there's a lot of value to that. Other guys will do different things, um, that sort of thing. So, so physical is definitely one of the categories that young men are caring about. But what else do you see in that realm where you're saying like, okay, uh, as maybe an early adopter or somebody who's, you know, got a finger on the pulse. What what else is going on in those young men's world that they care about? Yeah. So fitness is a huge one, obviously. Um, they want, they care about money. They want to actually have um, the ability to buy things and own things. They, they want property. They, they want assets. Um, they're, they're very much uh, looking for people that can teach them how to do that. Mm. You know, um, they, uh, I think uh, all the man, manosphere stuff, which a lot of that's connected to kind of sex, but I see guys that are very interested, you know, probably the, the one that I've seen most is starting a business, running a productive household. You guys are this idea of building something that leaves a legacy is very attractive. Even to young, young men, you see that in this sort of trad trad world, um, and you see a lot of those guys sharing that. I also think respectability, they, they care about that more and more. They're like quoting Marcus Aurelius. They want to have like pose, the poise and gravitas. And um, so I, I think a lot of people are starting to care about that. It's, it's interesting. I was watching Andrew Tate, Cobra Tate talk. I don't know. I get, he's at, that guy's everywhere. You cannot not see him. He's like yeah. just everywhere. Right. Um I was listening to him and I was like, my gosh, he sounds so reasonable. He was talking about everything behind COVID and, um, and why people did it. And I, I, I couldn't find anything in that particular segment that I disagreed with. I was like, I totally agree with this. Yeah. I think young men are also looking for people that just shoot them straight and say it right. Bold tellers of truth that, uh, you know, you recommended that book um, or you didn't recommend it. You mentioned, um, that re rescuing ambition book. Mm, yeah. And uh, dude, I hate it. I hate <laughs> it. And I was, I've only, only got through the first chapter and I don't think I really disagree with anything that he's actually saying. 
but it's so carefully balanced and um, nuanced and saccharine sweet. And um, it just is, it's annoying. Like, just tell me, man. Yeah. A lot of it, a lot of it too, like with that book, you know, cause again, for young men, you know, you want to be told, Hey, be courageous, take risks. Here's some pointers. You know, you're going to fall and scrape your knees. Here's some things you need to know along the way, but having older men who, who tell them that, but then, yeah, we, that book came up because we were talking about really the pietistic evangelism that was like, it's really hyper introspective. It's like, Hey, you know, you should try to do some good things, but realistically, you're probably being arrogant and proud and need to humble yourself. So here's 40, you know, ways you can like introspectively think about it for the next, you know, two months. And then it's navel gazing, right? You're never actually going to do anything. And I think a lot of times it's like, hey, let's take the field. Let's push the ball down the field. We're going to make mistakes. Let's learn from them. Kind of different ways of looking at risk assessment and then and then how do you go do things. Uh, your point on Andrew Tate. So this is really interesting. I know you've gotten into a lot of hot water for interfacing with Manosphere and other things. But what I've, I go to, back to something I think Mark Driscoll said, you know, that people were really offended then, but they were like, how did you learn to like deliver a, a, a sermon that way? And he's like, oh, I watched a lot of stand-up comedy, uh, Dave Chappelle. And uh, people did not like that. But, you know, recently I was watching the uh, Dave Chappelle on SNL the whole Kanye thing. And I was like, Dave is a master. He's a master of communication. He knows how to, his pauses are perfect. He, the whole thing was just set up masterfully. So I'm curious for you, obviously this, this whole thing, by the way, the, the whole point is young men love this, right? They love the Jordan Peterson style of communication, which is yet again, different than uh, somebody like a stand up comedian, but, but pastorally as men, as business leaders, how do you process how you're going to learn from those things and then apply them in, the, in, in, the, in your methodology? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I listen to, I've been listening to stand up comedians my entire life. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I love, I love those guys. I think they're the, the only ones that can say the true things. Mm. Now they say them sometimes for bad reasons, you know, so you listen to Louis CK constantly talking about masturbation. Um, well, we now know why, right? <laughs> um, because he was doing that in front of people and it was him dealing with his guilty conscience. Well, people liked it because they liked someone helping them deal with their guilty conscience. Now, something that should be shameful is something you laugh at, right? And so the comedians exist to help people deal with their sin, but not in a, not in a good way, right? Ultimately. Um, and they also, they're, they're there to say, to keep people honest. You know, Dave Chappelle is going on about the Jews being very careful it was it was more careful than he was usually, right? Yeah. Um, but let me read this statement before I begin. You see what I did there, Kanye? I bought myself time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. He's hilarious. In uh, the, the last line, like whoever they are, you know, <laughs> in the whole thing. But um, yeah. I think listening to those sort of speakers, um, it helps you. You know, a lot of us weren't taught rhetoric. But that's what those guys really are doing. They're very, they're masters at rhetoric and, and building arguments. You know, Dave Chappelle or Kevin Hart does this too. Kevin Hart, boy, he'll set a joke up. It'll take him a long time to yeah. get his punchlines have punchlines. He like, they, it kind of uh, opens with, it's like waves of, of, of hilarity. And he does such a good job because I used to always think of Kevin Hart just as this guy that's kind of like loud and screaming. 
um, and not really my style of, of comedy, but I realized he's very sophisticated, actually. He's certainly got, gotten that way over the years. He's gotten really good. So I think, um, but when I, when I listen to guys like Andrew Tate, and it's not like I have a constant diet. It's just you can't not see them. Um, what I, I listen to the points they're making um, and, and ask, why, why do people care about that? Why, why does this resonate with young men? And what does the scripture say about this? How can, you know, I think, again, it, it, Tate and Peterson just have shown backbone at times. Mm. And that's really what I think we should. That's what we respect about Dave Chappelle or um, these guys that make these jokes that you're not you're, they break the rules. You're not supposed to do it. Right. But they, they say it and. And they go, they're willing to go there. I think it's the job of pastors to go there. Now, I don't, would, I don't mean that sermons should be stand-up comedy, but they should be bold truth-telling that goes there and makes no apologies. I mean, like the most annoying thing ever is when people apologize for scripture. Mm. You know, like, hey, we're about to talk on 1 Timothy 2. And, you know, it's a very difficult passage. People get upset about it. You know, I'm more like, we're going to talk about 1 Timothy 2, and it is true. It is good, and everyone here should love this. I love it. I'm so happy we get to talk about it. You know, those people that apologize for this, these people are ashamed of God's word, and God is ashamed of them. You know, it's just like, let's go there. Let's call it. Let's, um, and I, I think that's uh, that, that sort of language, that proverbial language, that sort of punchiness is what resonates with young men. But that's what resonates with me when I read guys like, Thomas Watson and J.C. Ryle, um, those guys, they, they're not, they're very plain spoken men. And uh, the plain spoken men is what we need today. They, they're just missing. And that's, again, Dave, in a sense, he's sophisticated, Dave Chappelle, but he is, he is still plain spoken in the truth he's saying. Right? He, that whole bit he did where it's like a gay guy, a lesbian, transgender, non-binary, whatever, in a car. They did on a Netflix special a couple of years ago. It was an absolute genius. But he was like talking about how none of them like the, the transgender person or something, which is, <laughs> which any, that's actually true um, because they feel like transgender people have really uh, ruined kind of their gay rights. Um, and uh, so those guys are willing to say it. This is what young men want. Those old men that have been around, you know, that's what they should be doing. They should say, look, yo, I, I was part of the theonomy movement. Here's what we got right. Here's what we got wrong. I think what we're looking to hear from some of these older people is like, look, if you guys, if, if you did everything so awesome, like, why are things the way they are? You know, you're, you're so busy out there winning. You, you, you don't got anything that you're wrong about, you know. Um, and uh I would I I would love to hear from some of those older men. Is like here's where we made mistakes. Learn from us, right? Let let me improve you. Let me help you not step on that landmine. I've been there. I stepped on it. Yeah, I think it would be in the spirit of coming alongside. Uh, and again, I mentioned this earlier, but like I have men in my life who are that way. Sixty year old men who are saying, "Hey, great points. Here's a few things to think about." Um, I in fact I was talking to one gentleman about one of my friends about seminaries. And I said, yeah, you know, you know, in King's Hall, you know, the seminaries have, have become a problem. And he was saying, you know, because he's older, he can offer this perspective. He said, yeah, actually in the 50s and 60s, though, like a lot of the Dutch reformed and other seminaries, they were very different. Here's why. Tuition wasn't astronomical. Most of the churches were paying for it. 
you went back to the church you came from, et cetera. So I was like, wow, this is really great perspective. It helps shape my thinking. Um, and it, and it makes, you know, hopefully makes me more useful to the young and to the old men. Michael, one of the things I want to ask you is I'll ask you this for older men, but first let's start with the younger men. As you look at the guys in our camp, the guys, a lot of them are following us, uh, and or adjacent, um, I, I want to ask what you see as sort of the like, hey, what are the fault lines for them and saying, what do you need to be working on? Um, the one that I would throw out right away is, uh, you mentioned earlier, be respectful. Um, there's a way to meme and be clever and funny and all those things, but I, I think there can definitely be sin when it turns into reviling, mocking. Um, I've had, and I'll just say this, I've had pastors uh, in our camp, older guys that I've gotten frustrated with and didn't treat very respectfully. I've called them and apologized or in person apologized. I think of Paul, right, where he insults the high priest and he's like, ooh, whoop, my bad. Maybe the eyesight's bad. Who knows? Let me take a step back and, you know, and move forward from there. So that's one I would throw out there is be respectful in the dialogue. Uh, what other things are you seeing and exhortations you might give to the young guys? Well, I think it's going to take, it takes bodies to win wars. Mm, yeah. And we're, we're constantly dividing. And uh, a lot of guys, you know, I, a lot of, some of the younger guys I see out there are, you know, I, I rather win these passages over if I can. I'll try. Um, you know, there's a certain point where you're like, Paul, like, I'm going to the Gentiles. I'm done with the Jews, right? Yeah. <laughs> where you're like, all right, I've, I've tried, guys. I've tried. But I think, um, you know, uh, try to keep as many allies as possible as long as you can. Mm. And um, it's a good, it's a good life skill, business or other church. Don't, don't lose, don't sacrifice pieces on a chessboard unless it helps you. Right. That's a basic rule of strategy. The other thing I would say is, Oh, you're just so, some of this stuff that we, some of this sort of meme culture, it's all going to look so gay a couple of years from now, you know? Um, it's like back when everything was extreme in the nineties, you know, and uh, it's going to be the, the, the equivalent of parachute pants and stuff at, at some <laughs> level, you know, um, I and, also had MC hammer pants. I will have, you know, those are awesome. <laughs> um, I won't touch that. Uh, but um, right. anyhow, I think just that basic humility, but also look, prove these people wrong. Yeah. Just prove them wrong. Go be excellent. You know, and it's, um, uh, people are always trying to win online, but winning online doesn't mean winning in real life. Um, mm. I look at some of these comments, these long, these conversations people have, where, what's going on? That's like, go write a book, you know, like seriously, that's, that's so, it's so ephemeral. It's so transient. It's going to disappear so quick. And you're spending all this stuff. You know, when I see someone that says yada, 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 change my mind. Right. I just think, no, I'm not going to like, I'll go write a blog post or something, record a podcast or, or, or do that. And maybe that will engage it, but I'm not going to spend all that. So I just think a lot of these guys, they're kind of the reformed ish world that we're in. I would just say, man, I hope the effort that you put into the online stuff is, is also true of the rest of your life, you know, get married, catechize your kids, um, get assets, learn real things. Um, also, just make the people that critique you look stupid. You know, um, I saw that there was this attack 
Um, it, it quoted my co-author and it quoted a couple other people that I'm, I'm associated with. It was like a Jules Royce report or something. Oh, nice. Yeah. They didn't quote me. And, uh, the reason they didn't quote me is I, I try my best not to, to walk, you know, I try to make it hard for them. Right. I, I want to be hard to kill. <laughs> like I want to be hard to kill online if I can. And I, and I think, um, be smart with, don't, don't give your enemies, um, fodder don't, and, and try to make as many allies as you can without compromising. And, uh, it's, it's a lot hard days ahead. There's not good, there's not denomination, large denominations that you can align yourself with. We're having, we're kind of scattered these days. I mean, take the series C that's 13,000 people, you know, that's all it is. It's 13,000 members. And, um, and so that's like the size of, uh, the mega church in Dayton, Ohio is 13,000 single church. Yeah, one church. Yeah. And then the PCA, the PCA is only 300,000, 1,500 congregations. People say, that's a lot. No, I mean, there's 370 million people in this country. It's not, it's nothing. It's a drop in a drop. And so I just think you, you're talking about bringing this stuff back and traditionalism and, and building this sort of these sanctuaries and building these sorts of communities or whatever Oh, well, I mean, that takes, that takes people, that takes connections. And, and uh, so stop, stop being a little punk online and, and go do things, you know, and, or be a punk online, right? You be, just do that. Maybe that's, maybe that's your, maybe you're the court jester and that's all you'll ever be. Just yeah. a, a big joke that everyone laughs at. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, a lot of good points. So to old men, uh, older men, and I don't know, some people would put us in that category. But if you're an older guy, pastor, business leader, otherwise, what exhortations related to this conversation would you would you give those guys? I would say if you get offended when someone says, okay, boomer, you are weak. <laughs> you're a snowflake. Right. You really are. You are a snowflake. <laughs> like um, you, you know, when, when someone that's doesn't know what they're talking about insults me, I don't care. Like if you insulted me, I'd care or Brian or my wife or somebody that knows me, if you had yeah. something nasty to say, like it, like, well, they actually know me. It might be true. You know, <laughs> just some pixels on a screen. Who cares? I would say guys get tough. Don't let these, these young men, again, we, we can't lose a whole generation when they, this, you can convert them pretty easy. You look at guys like Chris Wiley out there. Um, again, I think D Doug does a pretty good job. Doug's out there and everything. So there's no way not to have missteps when you're speaking on all topics all the time. But, um, yeah, but there's guys out there that I think are doing really good stuff. Uh, I'd say, um, try to help these men, uh, actually be fatherly. Right. And I think even as a father, what, every time your kid, every time your kid talks back to you, you're just like, you're screaming at him. How dare you? Right. Do like, you know that I'm your authority. You have and, to respect yeah. me. It's and in my house, it's like, son, sit down, sit down. Now, look, do I talk to you that way? <laughs> is that, is that how we talk to each other in this yeah. household? You know, you don't hear me scream at you. You certainly don't hear me talk to your mom that way. You're not going to talk to me that way. You're not going to talk to my mom that way. You're your mother that way. You're going to, we, we're going to respect each other in this household. That's how things go. So shouldn't have to tell you that you should yeah. know that, you know, but it's like, you don't have to be like, they get so mad and I just stop, stop being so mad. Like if, if you, if you have all this gravitas and all this authority, act like it, 
have all this wisdom, act like it. And then also, let me just give you advice, older people who are watching this or listening to it. Just block people. I love it. I delete their comments. I hide it. They get all mad. They say I'm censoring them. I'm like, it's my Facebook. They do whatever I want. Start your own Facebook. Yeah. Go go talk. Like, the reason you're here is because no one cares what you have to say. Right? Like, you have to come over to my place for anyone to listen. Uh, But just block them. Just block some of these guys. They're just, some of these guys are seriously just kids or, or messed up folks that are trolling you and you're thinking they're a movement. They're not a movement, not there's just a handful of a guy. <laughs> people. Maybe um, yeah. uh, don't, don't let it just block it. If you don't like it, I just unfollow everybody um, unless I know them in real life. And it, I'm pretty happy. Uh, sometimes I have to un- unsubscribe of my own notifications, but outside of that, uh, I'm doing pretty well. So I just say block people and tr- um try to bring these younger men in the church to your house, take them through the, you know, the Westminster confession or some book, maybe some like, it's good to be a man. I'm just saying, um, but uh, those are some thoughts. Yeah. Uh, last question. You mentioned him, Chris Wiley. Um, Chris is like an older version of Steve McQueen, Joe cool. Um, he, he is one of the guys that I would point to as, as an older man. But his presence, his voice, everything about it. Every, like when I read a post the other day, he said like, it was like tips. It was, I don't know, 20 of them, 20 tips for young men to be like winning and working on things in your life. And I read them and I was like, this is great. I feel encouraged. I don't feel kicked. Um, there's a lot of other content though that's like, let me tell you something, sport. Um, where pastors are trying to be that voice, but they're not. So I want to ask you like, what is... What is it about Chris that's working? What is it about his personality? You know him in real life, not just social media. Whatever he's doing is working, but what do you think that is? So the crazy thing about Chris Wiley is that he is who he is all the time. Mm. Like when you're with Chris, he is not, he is not trying to win you. He is just who he is. He's at peace with himself. Mm. And he's probably the most masculine guy I know. Um, and yeah, works with his hands. He's yep. a, an artist. He, he can discipline, control. Yeah, gives his kids a lot of freedom. Let them become what they want to. Um, a lot of them are stepping up and managing some of the properties he owns. Um, uh, but you know, uh, Chris is just—he is just a very calm, cool-headed guy. And there's no show. I think what what everyone can learn from men like him is I, I hate this word, but he's just authentic. He's real. Mm. And, and the problem with online, a lot of this is an online problem too, is that online is egalitarian by nature, mm. you know? So young, young guys talk to me like I'm their equal. And I'm like, we're not equals. Um, at least not in <laughs> stage of life in education, you know? Um, and uh, I don't say that to him, but that's what I think. But then I got these older guys that talk to me like I'm a kid. I'm like, I'm not a kid. But, you know, or women that talk to me in a way, like I see women arguing with men online in a way that my wife thinks shameful. I would never, mm-hmm. I, I would have never argue with a woman online like that. I just think it's improper. Um, but uh, so it's, it's flattening, it's egalitarian. Um, but also it's really easy to act like you're much more than you are online. And I, I've mentioned this a lot recently, just that a lot of people will tell me that my marriage is awesome. And I'm like, how do you know? 
you know, maybe I hit her, you know, maybe she hits me. <laughs> maybe, maybe she really is. A, maybe she really is a paid actress, you know, like maybe we we're putting on a good face or whatever, but no, it, we try to be very honest. Like my, I put this thing up with my kids in catechism and you can hear one of my, my kids crying in the background. It's almost like thought we were the only ones with crying kids. Like, what are you talking about, man? Like, what, what do you think? Everyone, everyone wakes up with their hair in different right. directions and kids crying and, People lose their temper. We're, we're all normal, but we live in this Instagram age where um, a lot of people can act like they're more than what they really are. And you, you should go out of your way to cultivate a realness about online. I, I do that by trying to stay in my lane. Um, in other words, if someone asks me about something that I don't have really formed thoughts, I just say, I don't have thoughts on that. What's your thoughts on the possibility of this? I don't. I don't have any. I'm sorry. You know, I, I just... I, when I talk about something, I'd rather talk about things that I actually know. And if I don't know, I'm just going to stay away from it. You know, I'm not, you know, it's crazy when you get some online influence these days that people ask you questions like you, you have thoughts on everything. You know, I, I don't, you know, like you, you might, you probably know better than me. It seems like you put way more thought in this than I have. And, um, and I, I think that we really need to cultivate a, a humility of just, you know, th with Chris to go back to Wiley, Sometimes I call him up and ask him for advice. I'm like, hey, here's this difficult situation and here's what I'm trying to figure out. What should I do? And he's just saying, hmm, that's so hard when I don't know. And then you're like, dude, tell me it, what to do. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's almost kind of refreshing though. Yeah, I think because is. a lot of the things that our generation and younger have gotten are like the empty platitudes yeah. uh, from pastors. It, you know, it's, it's almost just, it, it makes you feel better when somebody's saying, yeah, that's really tough. You're not alone in recognizing that's a tough problem. And yep, I don't have exactly. all the answers. And it's just rough for all of us and we all figure it out. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, but I do think, uh, that can be a real temptation online is to act like Got you're an expert. Together. Yeah. And you know what you're talking about on all things. And, you know, it's just, I was thinking about like the, the lifting thing. All right. I'm like, all right. So, I'm not going to be an underwear model except for my, my wife, you know? Um, <laughs> and unless I get like, I got, I'm going to have to like do dry fasting to make that probably happen. But, um, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to, but I, I just think like, look, yeah, I don't have all that figured out, but I, I have been very productive in my life. I've worked really hard. Yeah. And, and what I don't like that I see coming out of online culture is people pretending like they find one chink in your armor and they run wild on it. Right. And it's, it's, again, it's just like almost elementary school. Like the kids find the one thing that you're insecure about and they go after it. But then I meet these people in real life and I'm like, oh, well, I'd rather be me than you. Okay. Like, like you, you probably got beat up a lot on in school. <laughs> and I do think that there's just a kind of a nasty meanness to, to the way we deal with people online. And I got, you know, I've had some people that's kind of flipped on me. Um, that used to be very supportive and have been attacking me recently. Hmm. Um, and you know what? I just, I treat them, I treat them like they're they, who they were a while back. I try to be, try not to be nasty to them. I just don't want to lose. I don't want to lose the softness. I want to keep, I want to keep my, my, my skin, you know, thick and tough and my, my heart pliable and soft. And that, that is something that concerns me about the generational strife. It's just, it's like when you and your wife get in a fight and then someone just decides to really open up the gas tank and throw the gasoline on it. 
And then it goes from a one to a two to a three, and then it's 10 out of 10, right? It's just like intense. I, I find like the emotions that get involved in this um, lead to say some very nasty things, you know, and uh, maybe walk away and take a deep breath before you post anything, or, or maybe just say, it's online. Why do I care if this old guy, like when the old pastor says criticizing me, I don't know who he is. What, why do I care about this guy? And then I thought, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. And I am not being dismissive. I don't know him. He's not in my tribe. We've never talked. I tried to interact. It didn't go a favorable direction. So I'm just not going to address it anymore because I have people in my life I actually know. And, and I have people in my camp that I actually do have to deal with. And we have real disagreements, right? So I always think about that with, with Proverbs too. And, you know, many times on social media, dropping in on a comment thread is like grabbing that passing dog by the tail. And it's like, just don't do it. It, it takes energy. It gets, you know, for me, it gets me worked up. So it's like, you know what? It's, it's good to have seasons, you know, we'll go hunt, be in the back country, turn social media off. Fortunately for me, that's what was going on with all the fitness stuff. Uh, I, people are like, have you seen this? And I'm like, no. And thank God, because I just, I post like, I'll, I'll take a week and just post pictures of like ducks or something or chickens. <laughs> I do right. that every once in a while. I had to clear. It's kind of like when you, you know, take a bite of watermelon before you drink <laughs> a wine, just try to clear your palate, clear, clear the palate. That's right. Yeah. That's uh, pink Moscato, uh, by the way. <sighs> and uh, by the way, when we came to your conference, yeah, uh, we had gift baskets and there was pink Moscato in there. I know. Is that hilarious? <laughs> um, that that, that was um, easily the one of the women at her church thought that'd be really humorous. She didn't tell me she was going to do it, <laughs> and uh, she she stuck it in there. She just thought it was funny. I thought it was hilarious. So, That's truth awesome. is, I mostly drink Pinot Grigio or you know Cabernet, but on occasion when I want something a little different, you know, I'll have a I'll have a Moscato. I like you know, green Moscato. I don't care. I got to say, Michael, I drank mine. It was very refreshing. Okay. It's, yeah. Here and there, it's fine. I'm a, I think if you're, if you're knocking back like mojitos and pink Moscato like several times a week, I think, you know, maybe you should go get your tea checked. But on, on occasion, you know, on occasion, it's all right. Like I, like, I wouldn't trust a guy that's always eating bonbons. Right. But if on occasion you had a bonbon, I'd be like, whatever. It's like. Or, or uh, guys that get grasshoppers, that uh, they get those grasshopper drinks at like a uh, like a Starbucks. Like I don't, I don't know, like once a year maybe, man. Or pumpkin spice once a year, fine if you want to. But that's it. You got to have lines. There's rules. There's clear lines for masculinity. That's right. Well, Michael, thanks again for joining me on this episode. Of course, we'll have links in the show notes where people can check out your work, East River Church. Everything going really well there. And again, follow along on social media. You see these interesting photos of Michael in a cadre of other guys working on projects. And it, what could it be? It gets us all very excited. And soon we'll know, Michael. Hopefully. Yeah, soon, soon, like April. <laughs> yeah, well, don't tell them that. They don't need to. Know. I mean, March, uh, April. It's like the release of Top Gun. It's coming out yeah. soon. Okay. Soon. It'll be there. Yeah. Four years. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Michael. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah.
Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. As always, appreciate our Patreon supporters. If you're not yet a Patreon supporter, sign up today for as little as $5 a month. And if you're not yet a subscriber to Barbell Logic, if you don't yet have your weightlifting coach, as I do mine, Mr. Matt Reynolds, then I would encourage you to go to barbelllogic.com slash hardmen. You can sign up today to get your own coaching. You can get totally jacked, get your physical health in order, get that barbell training underway again. Sign up at barbelllogic.com slash hard men. Until next time, men, stay frosty, fight the good fight, act like men.